Uh, when Margaret and I were first married, um, we were poor. Some of you can relate to that. Uh, and we had a friend named Rick and Shelley, and Rick and Shelley were like us. We got married super young, and we didn't make any money, and we were poor. And so they were like our best friends. We did everything together. And Rick told me a funny story one time. He had an older sister. She was also married. And it was about their first Christmas together as married couples at their house with their mom and dad. And here's the deal. Rick and Shelley didn't have any money, but they wanted to buy a nice present for his sister and her husband. But, like, they had a lot of money. They had everything. Like, what are we going to buy them? Plus, we don't have any money. So what could we possibly get them? And so they settled on an ashtray. Now, for you young people, uh, people used to smoke cigarettes, and they used to even smoke them in their houses. And so people had these dishes sitting around their houses to thump ashes into. We call them ashtrays. And the good thing about ashtrays is everybody had them, and they were super cheap. So that's what they got them, and they're all happy. They wrapped this thing all up. So now it's Christmas morning. They give their ashtray to his sister and her husband, and they open it up, and they're very gracious, and they said, oh, thanks, you know, just what we wanted, an ashtray. Thank you. Oh, it's so sweet. And so they felt really good about themselves. They got them this nice gift and everything, and they said, oh, well, we got you guys something too. And they opened their gift up, and it was a VCR. <laughs> Young people. Uh, <laughs> Back in the day, we didn't have streaming, right? We didn't have Netflix. If we wanted to watch a movie, we had to get these giant cassette tapes, and we played them through a machine called a VCR. The point of all that is, one, you get a great history lesson, and number two, a VCR is a really nice gift, and an ashtray sucks. Is what we're, that's, what, that's what it is, okay? And so it's like we appreciate the VCR. We love the gift. You know, I'm happy about that, but it's a little, like, awkward that the gifts were so uneven. You ever, you ever done that? You ever got somebody a gift at Christmas time? Hey, I hope you like the socks, and you know, thanks a lot for that motorcycle, <laughs> right? I, I'm happy for the motorcycle. I just wish, you know, it could have been a little more even. So, you know what Jesus got me at Christmas? He got me life. Not just any life, new life better life, eternal life. He got me rich, satisfying, abundant life. He, he gives the best gifts, huh? And he loves us where we are, and he accepts us when we're broken, and he heals us and makes us right, and he offers us eternal life with him in the kingdom of God, and he takes all of our shame and all of our sin and all of our death and replaces it with life. That's a, that's a really, really good gift. And it is really, really hard to reciprocate. You ever thought about that? You ever thought like, like what, is, what am I supposed to do now? What, what, am I, what does he expect from me after he's given me this? I can't pay him back. That's out. I can't really earn his love. I don't, I'll never deserve a relationship with him. But like, like, what's my part? If he's giving all that to me, then, like, what's my part in this, in this relationship? I, I want to I reciprocate, or I at least want to, you know, participate just out of, out of gratitude. But, I mean, you talk about buying a gift for the man who has everything, right? He's, he's Jesus. What could, I, what could I possibly offer him? He, he doesn't, listen, he doesn't need a new shirt, right? He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need socks because he wears sandals. He, he, doesn't, 
He probably doesn't smoke. He doesn't need an ashtray. What, golf balls or, or a gift card? What can I offer God? What, what does God expect? You know, how, can I, how can I please him or, or do something for him or say thanks to him or at the very least, he's given me this amazing life. How can I live that life in a way that, that makes him happy and gives him joy and makes him smile and honors him? This, that's, a, that's a really pretty good question and we're not the first people to have that question. Um, almost 3,000 years ago, Micah, uh, wrote all about what God had done for Israel and God has been so faithful to them and he rescued them from slavery and he brought them through the big bad desert and he protected them from their enemies and he provided everything that they needed and he loved them, he was faithful to them when they weren't faithful to him and he's done all this incredible. Now he's brought them to this new life in the promised land and so now Micah's saying, this is Micah 6.6, 6, he says basically after God's done all of that for us, what can we do? He says, what can we bring to the Lord? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Should we, should we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? See what he's saying there? Should we do some like big religious ceremony, right? Offerings and burning things and smoke and incense. Should we make like a grand gesture um, to say thank you to him? Should we offer him, he says in verse seven, should we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? You see what that is? That's like their currency, right? Livestock, olive oil, these are like super valuable things. Should we offer God our most valuable stuff? He even goes further, he says, should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Like, what can we do? How can we say thanks? What, what, what would make God happy? So they're offering him their most prized stuff and calves and rams and rivers of olive oil and their kids. And look what Micah says in verse eight. This is Micah 6, 8. He says, now, people, the Lord has told you what's good. This is what he requires of you. Do what's right and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. That's what God wants. That's what he wants from them. Not religious ceremonies, not huge sacrifices, not giving up their kids, right? He just wants them to, to do what's right and to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. And that was 3,000 years ago. But I, honestly, a lot hasn't changed since then. I think our sins have changed a little. I mean, idolatry probably looks different now than it did then, but just like then, God's been faithful to us when we weren't faithful to him. He's given us gifts that we can never possibly hope to pay back. He's given us freedom from slavery to sin and death, and he's protected us, and he's provided for us. He's given us new life in this amazing kingdom of his. So what, what can we, I feel like Micah, what can we bring? What, what can we do? Should we act really religious? Should we have these big religious ceremonies? Should we give him our most valuable stuff? Should we offer him 10,000 rivers of cash? Should we, should we give him our firstborn? I think God doesn't change. And I think he wants the same thing now that he wanted then. He wants us to do what's right. And he wants us to love mercy. He wants us to walk humbly with him. Amen? And so ends the shortest sermon in history. But like all sermons, um, where it gets meaty is with what we call the application, right? This is where we try to see the Bible in our real lives. 
and in our families and in our community and in our world and in our challenges and in our problems. So what, is, what does it look like now in our world to do what's right and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God's in our world, in our community? Today I'm gonna to talk about a specific problem in our world. And for lack of a better term, we're calling it the orphan crisis. Um, there are about 30,000 kids in foster care. Not in the world. Not in the United States. There are about 30,000 kids in foster care in Texas. And they have had really hard lives. And they have gone through, a lot of them, really horrible neglect and abuse and they finally have come to a point where the state has said it's just not safe for them to be in their homes anymore. And so now on top of all the other stuff that they've lived through, they're being taken out of their homes and put into foster homes or into group homes. And sometimes there's not any place for them to stay. And we've all heard the stories, haven't we, of kids having to spend the night on the office floor at CPS. And we've all heard these stories of neglect and these stories of abuse and kids bouncing all over the place. And so today, I'm not going to spend all day telling you how hard that is for kids. But I do want us to at least for a minute put ourselves in that space and try to understand what these kids are dealing with. And I think an easy way to do that is to picture your kids or your grandkids. Just picture your favorite kid. Forget about your second favorite kid right now. Think about your favorite kid. Your, your, your child, your grandchild, and just imagine this is their life. As you're looking at their little face, right? Every day, they're dealing with complete neglect. Maybe they're being abused to the point that the state has had to come in and take them out of their homes. And one night, they have no idea what's going on. The police show up, and some people they don't know with clipboards walk into their house and drag them away from their parents while their parents are whatever, crying, screaming, begging, fighting, and now here's this kid with no idea what's next for them. Can you imagine what that kid is thinking? Can you imagine what that kid is feeling? That's how hard this situation is on kids. And there are 30,000 of them in Texas. That's how big this problem is. And I'm gonna tell you, it's about to get bigger. I am so excited about this recent overturning of Roe versus Wade. This is amazing, it's huge, it's brilliant, it's awesome. Praise Jesus that that happened. I'm so excited about it because I don't know how many, I don't know, millions of lives are gonna be saved. But a lot of those lives are gonna become children that end up in the foster care system. So this problem is super hard. And it's super, that's how, that's how big the problem is. It's an unbelievably hard situation. It's an unbelievably big situation. And today we're not gonna spend too much time talking about the problem. We kinda talk about, about it around here some and I think you already know. I wanna spend a little bit more time on the solution. So um, the orphan crisis, let's just say it like this. The orphan crisis is a really hard problem. It's a really sad problem and it is a really big problem. The good news is there's an answer. And the answer is Jesus. And you may not know this, but he is really good. He created everything out of nothing. 
in six days and he healed people and he cast out demons and he walked on water and he overcame Satan and sin and death and he loved people like us even when we were completely unlovable and right now he's in the process of redeeming a world that is completely lost. Jesus is awesome and he is really good with hard problems and he is not worried or afraid or uncomfortable with big sad problems. He's dealt with lots of them like leprosy and blindness and shame and death and eternal separation from God. I think Jesus is the answer to every problem. Do you agree with that? Even this one? Yeah, so here's, here's where this gets weird. We believe that Jesus is the answer to this problem. Um, you guys may not know this. This isn't me. This is just a body. It's not a great one, but this, this isn't me. This isn't me. The real me is a soul, right? The real me is a spirit. I just live in this body. I heard one guy call it your meat suit, right? This isn't me. This is the meat suit that I live in, right? This isn't me. The real me is my spirit, and my spirit lives inside of this body. And Jesus was the spirit of God living in a human body. And then he died, that body died and resurrected, and now his spirit lives in us, right? This is Christian Theology 101. His spirit lives in us. And so we, the church, have become the body of Christ. Bible students, you agree with me? We're on, on the same page here. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So that is a huge, really profound theological point with a huge practical implication because in this orphan crisis, if Jesus is the answer and we are his body, we're the answer. Not the government, not the courts, not the system, the body of Christ, us, you, y'all. We are the solution to the orphan crisis. And that is amazing, and it's awesome, and it's completely overwhelming, isn't it? Just, I mean, it's, it's like it's too much, right? I, I start thinking about it, it's like 30,000 kids. It's too much, it's too big, it's too sad, it's too scary, it's too hard, what can I do, right? How, what can I do? How does God expect me to fix something so hard? How does God expect me to overcome a problem? This, I, can't, I, can't, I can't fix this thing. What can I do? What should I do? What, what does God want from me? But remember, he told us, do what's right. Love mercy. Walk humbly with God. The solution to the orphan crisis starts with Christians doing what's right. And I don't know what that means for you. Um, is it to pray every day for these kids and their foster families and the agencies and people that are supporting them? Probably. Is it for you to give money to a ministry that supports foster kids? Maybe. Is it to get some actual skin in the game 
and take some kind of step or make some kind of sacrifice or do something that's hard or that's different or that's scary? You guys read the Bible, right? Yeah? It says Bible right on the sign out front. I hope you do. Do you ever see in the Bible God asking people to take some kind of step? Do you ever see cases in the Bible where people are, God's asking people to make some kind of sacrifice, do something that's big and hard and different and scary? I don't know what specifically is right for you to do. But I do know this, when God calls you to do something, that is the right thing to do. So in a minute, I'm gonna give you some options. I don't want you to be offended, and I don't want you to be defensive. I just want you to just be open. If God speaks to you about one of these options, will you do it? And if so, that's awesome, because that is you doing what's right. And he also calls us to love mercy. How many are Jesus followers, real quick? Oh, it's a lot. Um, here's the cool thing I think about Jesus. He could have just given us the orders, right? He could have just said, this is what you do. This is what it is to do good. Do it. And that's it. Um, but I love it that he lets us understand the why. I love it that he lets us even experience the why. Because he gives us his mercy. And he gives us his compassion. And that's why I told you, I'm not gonna give you a thousand sad stories today, but I know if I did, this is why it wrecks us to hear these stories. I'll, I'll tell you one now, this is an easy one. It's not a hard one, it's not a hard one. This is about a kid named Antonio. He was over at SJRC, I don't know, several years ago. He was 11, 12 years old. Yeah, I think he was 11. So anyway, it wasn't the right time for Margaret and I to foster or adopt or something like that, so I said, well, I could mentor. Right? I could just hang out with him for an hour a week and take him to church or take him to a ball game or take him to dinner or something. And so I did that for a couple of years with him. And he was a great kid and we got to be friends. It was fun. One day, we decided we were going to kind of fudge on the rules a little bit and I was going to buy him a present. I was going to buy him some basketball shoes. He's 12 years old. I have to tell you, that's a big deal, right? So um, he never had like name brand, you know, cool basketball shoes or whatever. So we go down to the academy and we're shopping for shoes. We looked at 420,000 pairs of shoes that day. <laughs> It's awesome. <laughs> it only took 12 hours. Anyway, so he's trying on shoes, and he's putting them on, and finally he finds, oh, like a light, like, these are the ones, the holy grail. These are the shoes for me. Man, he puts them on, and he's walking around, and, you know, they got those little mirrors down there so you can see what you're, so he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, he loves these shoes. Game changers, man. This is, these are the ones. These are the ones. And I said, okay, dude, you're getting them, man. Lace them up. Let's make sure they fit and then you're getting these shoes today. And he goes, well, they're fine. And I said, yeah, I know they're fine, but you know, lace them up and let's make sure they fit and, and then we'll get them. We're, we're taking these shoes with us today. And he goes, they're fine. And I said, I know they're fine. It's $100. I wanna make sure they fit. Tie them and let's make sure they fit and you can wear them right out of the store. And he goes, they're fine. I said, Antonio, just lace up the shoes, man. And he takes them off and throws them down and says, I don't even want them. These shoes are stupid. You're stupid. Can you guess what was going on? He didn't know how to tie shoes. He's 12 years old. So that story broke my heart. Because what else has he not been taught? That story broke my heart. And if that story breaks your heart, that's good. It hurts a little, 
right? But it's good because what that means is you love mercy and you have the compassion and the mercy of Jesus in you. So whatever the right thing God tells you to do, I think it's cool that we don't just do it out of blind obedience like robots. He lets us feel the compassion, right? And when you help, you know you're part of the solution to that heartbreak. You're actually sharing the love of Jesus with someone that desperately needs it. And it just, it just wouldn't be as much fun to be part of the solution if we didn't feel compassionate about the problem. So how are we gonna solve this impossibly hard, enormously big, terribly sad problem? As the body of Christ, we're gonna do what's right. And we're gonna love mercy. And we're gonna walk humbly with God. And I think that's a big one because man, I see these stories and I meet these kids and it's like, I wanna do everything, you know? I wanna do everything God calls me to do. And I wanna do it to honor God. And I wanna do it out of his mercy in me. I just wanna want fix the problem, right? That's what we do, right? I wanna fix the problem, but I can't. And I have to humbly admit, I'm not the solution. Jesus is the solution. And I'm just a tiny part of his body. So I wanna do everything he calls me to do, I wanna do everything he empowers me to do, and not one thing more. So no matter what is said today, please don't adopt five children unless God calls you to adopt five children. And if he does call you to adopt five children, you should ask for it in writing, just to make sure <laughs> that it's him. Uh, you, you can't adopt them all, and you can't foster them all and you can't mentor them all and you can't deliver diapers to them all. Nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ, right? I don't need my ears to see, right? I don't need my heart to do my breathing for me, right? I don't need my knees to hear. Every, every part of the body just has to do its little part and it's the same in the body of Christ. Nobody is called to do everything. You don't need to. But if the body of Christ is gonna move forward, and if we're gonna be the solution to this problem, it's gonna take all of us doing what we are called to do. And I'm gonna tell you now, whatever God does call you to do, um, it's gonna take some kind of effort, and it's gonna take some kind of sacrifice, but don't do it in your power. Walk humbly with God, and realize you're gonna need his wisdom, and you're gonna need his leading. And you're gonna need his courage and his strength and his patience to do what he calls you to do. Jesus is the answer, and we're part of his body. All we have to do to solve this problem is do what's right, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. How are you guys doing so far? Doing okay? So today's a weird day. I'm fixing to introduce you to a couple of really amazing ministry partners of ours that are doing incredible work for these kids in foster care. And I'm gonna offer you some suggestions about some potential right things that you might wanna do to help them. And I'll tell you, just as you're listening to the Spirit, there's a lot of things to think about, what interests you, or what sounds good to you, or what you think you would be good at, or something like that. But also think about this, and don't, let's get off of what I can't do. What can I do? And here's a better question, what can I not not what do I feel like? I have to. That's what it feels like 
to be led by the Spirit, that thing that you feel like, I, I, I just, that can't stand on my watch, right? Something has to be done. When you feel that, maybe that's God speaking to you. So remember, nobody can do anything, everything. Everybody can do something. And please, when I get into this, don't do anything because I say you should. And don't do anything because somebody around you makes you think you should, and don't do anything out of some weird guilt or obligation. The truth of it is, that doesn't last anyway. If you decide you're gonna do something, do it to honor Jesus. Do what's right, and do it out of compassion and because you love mercy. Just listen to the Holy Spirit. What he tells you to do is the right thing that you're supposed to do. Listen, this is what it means to be led by the Spirit. We talk about that all the time. Well, we'll be led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14 says, those that are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. If you're a child of God, he wants to lead you, and this is what it is. He, we hear, he's not gonna slap your face. He's not gonna send you an email. You're gonna see something, and you're gonna say, oh, hmm, that struck me as something that's, that's hard or needs to be fixed or that I would be good at or that just sounds like fun to me. That, that's how it works. And it's possible that what he's gonna lead you to do is to pray every single day for these kids in foster care and the families and the corporations and the groups and the, all the different people that are trying to minister to them. Maybe that's what he's calling you to do. That's great. Maybe he's, may, may it's possible he's gonna tell you to make a financial donation to one of these groups. That's awesome if that's what he tells you to do. I will tell you this, all the ministries that I'm gonna mention to you today, this church partners with them financially now. So if you're giving to this church and you're tithing your offering, in a way you are already supporting them financially. But if God move, if you feel like, man, I just feel like I'm supposed to write them a check for a dollar or a million dollars, then I, that's absolutely the right thing for you to do. Weird day, huh? I told you, I told you it's gonna be a weird day. So here's what I've done, I've given each one of you a card. You got one of these, show it to me. Take it out, I know you already put it away, take it out. <laughs> Let me see it, go like this. <laughs> I wish I had a picture of that. So on the front side it says needs. So down the left column there you're gonna see a couple of ministries that we really love and appreciate and we've carefully vetted and done some research about and prayed that, about who God would help us partner with and these are the ones that he's brought to us. The first is an organization called One Hope for Kids. It's a foster organization. They help people become foster parents and the adoptive process and all that. It's an amazing organization. One thing I love most, well, one of the things I love most about One Hope is that they are unashamedly Christian. Like they, they don't take money from the government because if they take money from the government, that's gonna inhibit what they do. One of the things they do is every kid that comes through their system, they give them a Bible. They pray with them, they read scripture to them, they're sharing the love of Jesus with these kids. Amazing organization. We ask them, what are some, things, what are some right things that our people might be able to do that would help you? and doing what you're doing. And on the right there, under needs, you see some little bullet points. These are a couple that they mentioned. One is that they need people to be foster families, to get licensed and to actually be foster families. You probably know what that is. So have a kid that's in the foster system come and live at your house. And maybe that's a short term, maybe that's a long term. Another need they have is for respite foster. So here's what that looks like. Imagine you're fostering a kid and they're living in your house for a year, right? You can't just go out, leave them with a babysitter. Right? Their babysitter has to be state approved. And so that's kind of what, so what happens is most foster parents just get stuck with those kids 24 seven and they go crazy. And so respite care is where you would say, you know what, I can babysit. So there's some training and you have to get CPR and all that kind of stuff and you get licensed or whatever. And then you're able to say, yeah, that kid could stay with me. And they group this kind of like maybe up to three days or maybe you'd say, no, only for one day for me or maybe for 14 days and let them have a, a vacation with just their, with their physical family for a while. 
These are just ways, maybe that one kind of speaks to you. Um, they also have just needs for supplies, like, because they're taking care of a lot of babies over there, so they need pull-ups, they need wipes, they need Bibles to give to these kids. Um, another one, transportation. Just taking these kids to their appointments at CPS or with doctors or with dentists or with counselors, that's a, that's a thing. So, oh, I can't adopt a kid, I'm out, nothing I can do about it. I mean, I could take a kid to a doctor's appointment, I could sit in the waiting room for an hour and wait for that kid and then take him back home. So just be kind of thinking about it. Does one of those speak to you? Does one of those sound like something you'd be good at, you'd be interested in, it would be fun? Maybe one of those things is that thing that you can't not do. And if so, that's probably the thing that God is leading you to do. Just listen to God. The next ministry down there is SJRC, and a lot of you know them. They're right down the road over by Smithson Valley High School. And this is a foster care group home, and they do amazing work. And we've had lots of their kids. I have baptized a lot of kids from SJRC that have come into this church, experienced the love of Christ, and become Christians. And it's just an amazing ministry. They got a group of, I don't know, Lacey, how many, how many kids you got over there right now? 25 kids are living over there together right now, and they're just ministering to these kids and taking care of them. And so here's some ways you could help them. They need um, volunteers for hospital support. Some of these kids have to go to a hospital and stay for a time. They can't just drop them off and leave them there. Somebody's supposed to be with the kid in the room all the time. So you could do a shift. You could say, I'll go sit with that kid. I'll just sit in that room with that kid in the hospital. They have belong support. Belong is a really important ministry. Let's say they take a kid out of a home, and you've heard these stories about the kids having to sleep on the floor at CPS. Like, what are we gonna do with this kid? Where are they gonna stay tonight? Like, right now, we don't have a foster family ready for them yet. You could say, you know what, just for a short time, they could come and stay at my house for a short time. Somebody would be there with you. They would show you how. They would train you how. You get licensed to do it. But just that's a way that you could kind of just help them. One-to-one um, -one mentoring, like I described with Antonio, just to say, look, I can't have a kid live with me forever, but I mean, maybe I could spend a couple hours a week just interacting with this kid and showing them that Jesus loves them and showing them how to tie their shoes and showing them how to order food in a restaurant and showing them how to live. Here's a really challenging one. It's only for the hyper-educated yard maintenance Right, I mean, I'm telling you, there's something for everybody to do. Somebody's gotta mow the grass over there. And if they spend money on paying somebody to mow the grass, that's money that they're not spending on those kids. So it would help them if somebody would go there and do some painting and fix up some stuff and do some yard maintenance. And the last one they have there is to volunteer to lead weekly classes. Like, there's 25 kids over there. We need to keep them energized and activated and doing stuff. And so you could lead an art class or a music class or a yoga class. Right, if, you're, if you love golf, you should, you should get some practice mats and some wedges and a bunch of balls and go over there and show those kids how to hit golf balls. That'd be awesome for them. So these are just, like I say, a lot of different things you could do. None of these is, I'm gonna adopt a kid forever. Each one of these is a little thing that you as a body of Christ could do. Um, CASA, I've talked about CASA a million times. It's court advocates, it's court appointed special advocates for children. And what that means is, when a kid goes into the foster care system, they're going to court, that's happening. And they're assigned a lawyer, and through the, some kids I've met that have been in foster care for a long time, I've had, I don't know, 10 lawyers. 
10 CPS workers. They've lived in five foster homes. They've been in three group homes. There's no consistency in their lives, and there's nobody that cares about nothing else except them. Everybody's got like an agenda, right? So the, the mom has a lawyer, the state has a lawyer. Who is advocating just for that kid? Who's gonna stand up and tell the judge, the best thing for this kid is to be reunited with his parents right now? Or the best thing for this kid is to be reunited with his parents after they complete their work? Or the best thing for this kid is probably not to be reunited. Who's gonna tell the judge, the judge looking at 50 cases a day, how's he supposed to know? Because a CASA stands up, somebody that's gone to the counseling appointments, that's taken the kid to school, that's met the foster parents, that's been to the doctor with this kid, and really gotten to know this kid in their case, can stand up in court and say, I don't care what's best for the mom. I don't care what's best for the dad. I don't care what's best for the state of Texas. The only thing I care about is what's best for the kids, and in my opinion, this is what's best for that kid. And the judges listen. The judges listen. So if that's something and you think, man, I don't know, that sounds right to me. I feel like that's something that I could do. Maybe you should be a CASA. And then the last one is the one to one fam ministry. That's what our shirts are today. This is our in-house ministry here at CVCB that supports foster families. Here's a couple of things you could do with them. You could get on their prayer list. Miss um, Lee Towell is here somewhere. She, she sends an email every week. With, These are all the lists, all the prayer needs of all the foster families in our church and all the adoptive families in our church. Another thing, we also do babysitting for them. We have respite-approved people here where the parents can come and drop their kids off on a Saturday and go have a date and just be away and just be together for a little while. So that's, I mean, that's not a super huge commitment. They do these things called love boxes where we call the foster families in our church and say, what do you need? What do you need at your house? What do you need? Well, we need shoes. We need backpacks. We need medicine. We need clothes. Whatever their need is, we box it all up. We deliver it to them. I mean, could you drive a box of diapers to somebody's house? That's one to one fam ministry. So there's none of these is cutting off your arm, right? <laughs> none of these is, you know, bringing a whole family into your house or something like that. Each one of these is one little way that you can be part of the body of Christ because he is the one that is going to fix this problem. And as his body, we each have to do our little place. So if you flip your card over on the back there, um, this is like a little sheet for information. If you're online, you can uh, respond to this in your chat or in comment section or something like that. If you're here in the room, um, I'm gonna ask you to do something with me right now. And you're not making a commitment right this minute, but I think we gave you a pencil. And I'm just gonna ask you to take your little card, not making a commitment, you're not making a commitment, and just, just write your name, name. And your phone. And your email. Pastor Larry at mycbcb.com. Best time to contact you, should they call you in the morning or in the afternoon. And all that this is, you're not saying you're going to do anything, you're not promising anything. You're saying, I want to be part of the solution and I'd be interested in hearing some more information about how I can do that. And then this, this, this which need would you like to help with? Would you just hold on to that? Because I said, we be, I want you to be led by the Spirit, not by me, right? And so we're just gonna pray in a minute that God will just kind of show us what thing we're supposed to do. So here's what it's gonna look like. I told you it was gonna be weird. I'm gonna ask the worship team, if they can hear me, to come back out here and kind of get ready. And we are gonna sing four songs. And we're gonna do what we said we were gonna do in the beginning, which is we, we wanna thank Jesus, right? We wanna honor Jesus for who he is and for what he's done. And as we're doing this, as we're singing these songs, I'm gonna ask you to take your card 
back to the lobby. Remember last week we took, went back for candy? We're gonna go back to the lobby, go to the table that's appropriate for your card and drop it in their jar. And they will call you this week and explain to you the rest of the details you need so that you can figure out if you should make a commitment to one of the ministries that we're talking about. We're, uh, if God is telling you, you know, the best thing you can do is just pray. We, I don't want you to do something active right now because of what's going on at your house or some special circumstances, and that's great. Then just don't go. Just stay in here. A bunch of us are just going to be in here worshiping um, together. And then when they call you, just, again, man, just, I'm not, don't feel guilty. Don't feel weird. Don't listen to me. Just listen to the Spirit. When they call you, if you feel like you're supposed to do something, do it. So to avoid traffic issues of getting in and out of here, here's what we're going to do. You are section one. You are section two. You are section three. You are section four. On the screen, you see the numbers? When your section lights up, that's your cue. It's time for you to take your card, walk back to the lobby. You can't talk a long time. Hey, I think I might want to do that respite thing. Drop my card. Give me a call this week. Come back and sit in your chair. If you're not going to sign up for something today, then that's great. Stay in your section, and you can just pray and sing with the rest of us and pray that God will lead the people that he is leading right now. And then the next light will come on. Number two, that means it's you guys' turn to get up and go. Sound right? Everybody clear? Yeah? Okay, so here's what we're going to do, the most important thing today. We're going to pray, and we're going to listen. Listen, we believe that prayer is, I'm reading a book right now that a lot of you are fixing to read, and this book says that God is not a silent participant in our prayer time. He doesn't just want to listen. He might want to speak to you. So let's just pray that he will fix this problem and that he'll do it through us and he'll speak to each one of us about what our place is. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving us, for loving us when we didn't deserve it, for giving us eternal life with you in heaven. Thank you for everything that you are and everything that you do, and thank you that you are big enough to handle this crisis. And Jesus, right now, I'm gonna ask you for something really awkward and weird and hard, and that is as you are curing this thing, as you are bringing healing and restoration and hope to these children and their families, will you include us? Will you speak right now to the hearts of your people? Just give us an inkling of that thing that you would have us to do. Maybe it's mowing grass. Maybe it's delivering diapers. Maybe it's writing a check or fostering a child. Whatever you trust, you're the head of the body, man. We trust you. So will you just speak to us and lead us, move us, Give us the courage of our conviction. Give us the power to take a step. And we're going to sit quietly before you for just a second. Will you please speak to us during that time? And then as we sing your praises about how good you are to us, will you show us what our response should be? In Jesus' name, amen. You ever been to a church service like that before? That's kind of weird, huh? Listen, it's, it's an amazing thing to know how big this problem is, it's an even more amazing thing to know how big our Jesus is. He is the answer. And so I just want to say thank you for listening to him and responding to him. 
And listen, I know that this is not the right time for everybody. Maybe you've got stuff at your house that's keeping you busy. Maybe this just isn't the right time for you. And that's okay because there's something important that you can do. And that is that every single day you can pray for these kids. You can pray for all the people that are going to be helping and serving in physical, practical ways. And you can just pray that Jesus will anoint those kids, just cover those kids with his love and his protection and his guidance. And that he will sense, every child will sense the love of Christ through the work that these organizations are doing and through the work that is done by the body of Christ. Amen? Let's pray and we'll go. Jesus, thank you so much because you are better and you are bigger than anything we face. As big as this crisis is, as overwhelming as it seems for us, it's not too big for you. So I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done for us. I thank you for what you're going to do in the middle of this crisis. And I thank you for including us as your body in your plan. Lord, I pray that you'll just empower each one of us. That you'll do miracles through each one of us, whether it's through our prayers or our giving or our time or sacrifice or some practical thing we're doing, God, that you will just do miracles through us to reach out to these kids. And God, I pray that you'll show each one of us with our partner organizations and all of us that are volunteering that you'll give us a little glimpse of what you're doing through us and show us the good that's being done. Not by us, by you through us. In your name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great week.